0: Open your Bibles to Proverbs. That's where we're going to be doing a lot of looking. And uh, we're going to finish up from uh, last week. Uh, I'm so glad Lynn shared with us last week, and that was well worth our time and encouragement. And she is in Virginia visiting her, uh, uh, I'm going to say, oldest son, oldest son. And uh, and then she'll be back with us next Sunday, and then she'll be heading back to reunite with Roger, and I'm sure they are eager uh, to see each other. So, good to have you here, and uh, before before we get too much farther, let me read Galatians 5, 14 through 15 again for us, kind of gets us into this idea of conversation cannibals. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, but... If you bite and devour one another, obviously not physical biting and devouring. We're talking about the use of the tongue. We're talking about conversation cannibals. If you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Ironically, and I, you know, I thought some more about this this week. We are called the body of Christ. And as weird as it is to eat another person, cannibalism, it's even weirder to eat yourself. And when we eat and devour and cut down and attack one another as, as brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, what are we doing? We're eating. We're consuming ourselves. We're devouring the body of Christ. So here's what I want you to do. Look in your notes. It says, for the sake of Christ and his body, for Christ's sake, because of Christ and his lordship, his grace, and because we are the body of Christ, we need to make the right choice love one another not eat one another and so what what I've got here is I kinda re reorganized uh, from last week uh, four ways to stop being conversation cannibals And the first way we began last week is this recognize recognize conversation cannibals when you meet them even if you meet them in the mirror so recognize who they are and so last week we said hello my name is gossip, and we recognize that a person, uh, when someone says, hello, my name is gossip, I'm a talebearer. I'm a whisperer, I'm a flatterer. You can get last week's lesson. But the deadly, mean-spirited cousin to go- gossip is slanderer. And so number two, hello, my name is slander. Uh, I like this. Over it says the devil is in the details. Look at these two verses. Kind of gives you a, a comparison of what gossip and slander are like. Look at Proverbs sixteen twenty eight. Uh, that kind of gives you a, a word picture of gossip. A perverse man sows strife, and a whisper separates the best of friends. Okay, got it. But look at Proverbs sixteen twenty seven. Here's the mean spiritedness of slander. An ungodly man digs up evil. You know, so the first word picture is gossip is just like, you know, just carelessly going around, throwing out tidbits and and, you know, sowing seeds of gossip. But the the uh, slander, he's digging up things. He's digging up evil. He's digging up evil and it is on his lips like a burning fire. There's passion behind it. There's a mean spirit behind it. There's an, an intention to hurt and to harm. I think those two verses kind of give you the spirit of it right there. Well, here it is. Hello, my name is Slander. I am a schemer. Number one, I'm a schemer. Slanderers are schemers. And the key verse I want you to uh, consider, and you can look this up, Psalm 31, 13. So turn your Bible, Psalm 31, 13 and here's what it says Psalm 31 13 and says this for I have heard the slander of many terror is on every side while they took counsel together against me they schemed to take my life away there's a lot of verbs in there that are angry and mean and I just can't help from coming off of uh, this summer reading summer in the psalms of how much the sins of the tongue these conversation cannibals were a part of what david was attacked with i mean as we read through it was just like again and again these kind of verses we read them do you remember reading them you remember that it's just a lot of that and david was able to endure so notice what it says particularly that last part of verse 13. While they took counsel against me, to get counsel together against me. Here's a couple characteristics of the schemer. They find fault. They find fault with others and they point out their imperfections and sins. They're fault finders. They're fault finders. They they counsel against someone. They're against someone. And have you ever gotten in a position where you just, you had a negative attitude towards someone? And once you have that attitude, what do you see? All you see is what? The faults. That's all you see. You all And you know that there's positive, but you've taken a fault finder position. And then secondly, a schemer ruins reputations and speaks against others. Notice they schemed to take my life away. Now in David's case, they literally wanted to kill him. Remember Saul and all those battles? But life is relationships and life is joy and slanderers want to ruin the lives of others they want to ruin their reputations but here take heart in this and uh, all of us I, I think from david's example all of us eventually if you're doing any let me put it this way if you're doing anything for god you're going to get slandered okay if you're not getting slandered if you're not getting attacked then you're probably not doing anything for god you know the devil doesn't need to attack you because you, you know you're not a You're not a force for the kingdom. So when someone tries to ruin your reputation, remember this, that people can ruin your reputation, but they can't take your character. They can ruin your reputation, but no one can ruin your character. The only one that can ruin your character is who? You. It's yourself. And sometimes when the slanderers are surrounding you, that's what you have to take hope in. you got to take courage in that. you got to find conviction in that. That, you know what? I can't control. I can't put out all these fires. I can't stop the slander's tongue. But I can maintain my character. And here's the good news. Character always wins out. Character always, always wins out. But you've got to persevere. Number two. Hello, my name is Slander. I'm a backbiter. The reason you can't deal with slanderers because they don't do it to your face. They are backbiters. This is a great translation that's found in the New King James uh, Bible uh, for slandering. But let's look at a couple verses. Look at Romans one twenty-eight. Look at Romans one twenty-eight, and let's look at twenty-eight through thirty. Romans one twenty-eight through thirty. We keep coming back to Romans 1. Why? Because these are heart sins. These are sins that are in our hearts. And uh, we are all susceptible to them. And to be honest, we've all committed them. Romans 1, And so let's get a little context here. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind. Okay? So these sins come from a mind That is bound to sin. To do those things which are not proper. Being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil. Full of envy, murder. And here's the strife, the deceit, the malice. Those are the roots of slander. They are gossips. And then look at verse 30 in the New American Standard. slanderers, Or in the New King James, backbiters. Or in the New Living Translation, backstabbers. So there's that difference. Gossip is kind of careless, still harmful, but careless. But slandering is is malicious, and it's stabbing, and it's deceitful. And then notice what follows after that slanderers, haters of God. See, these things, we think it's all horizontal. You know, I'm just mad at you, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say bad things about you. The reality is this is rooted in a hatred of God. God, things aren't going the way I want them to be. And I'm really mad at you. If you really analyze it, I'm mad at you. But I'm going to take it out on someone else. Insolent, you know, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil. There's a great definition of a slander. And in most of the time, you take what's bad about a person, then the slander starts multiplying that, growing that, increasing that, and as we're going to see, lying about it. Why do I say that? Look at uh, Psalm 15 1 through 3 turn to psalm 15 1 through 3 the backbiter the slanderer look at psalm 15 1 through 3 notice what verse 1 says "O oh lord who may abide in your tent who may dwell in your holy hill so we're talking about god's standard of who can enter his presence how holy do you have to be what what kind of holiness do you need verse 2 He who walks with integrity and works righteousness, but look at this, speaks truth in his heart. You see, speaking in the Bible is always rooted in the heart. It's always, what's the mouth out of the abundance of the heart? The mouth speaks, speaks truth in his heart. It starts on the inside. But look at verse three. He who does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor. There's the cause and effect. Slander is meant to, To do evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. And that's another aspect of slander. Slander is intended, hey, let me tell you something bad about this person so that you take up my offense. Slanders are people who take up offenses and they seek to get other other people to take up reproaches and attacks against friends. So there's a lot in that verse. Look at Proverbs ten eighteen. We want to use Proverbs ten eighteen as our key verse for this aspect of a, of a backbiter. Proverbs 10, 18. Here's a great description. When I say great, you know, these are just ugly things, but these are ugly sins. Proverbs 10, 18. He who conceals hatred has lying lips, and he who spreads slander is a fool. Two things I want you to take away from that. One, Slanderers are hypocritical liars. Why? Because they'll say something good to your face, but bad behind your back. Or they'll just say nothing to your face and say bad behind your back. So there's two ways you can be a hypocrite. One, you can be a hypocrite by saying, hey, I'm going to say something good to you in uh, in, in front of you, but bad behind your back. Or you can be a hypocrite by never saying the bad things to the person, always saying them to others got it conceals hatred conceals hatred but look at the second part of the verse and spreads uh slander as a fool they um number three that really goes with number three i'm sorry uh hello i'm a slander i'm a hater i'm a hater who is bitter so i'm a i'm a schemer but also, number three, I'm a, I'm a hater who is bitter. Look at the last part of that verse. Proverbs ten eighteen it says, And he who spreads slander is a fool. Uh, we'll talk more about the bitterness part in a minute. Um, so much of slander is just due to mean-spirited unforgiveness. Let me put it this way. If you don't work at reconciling with others, you will become Mean-spirited towards others, and then that beca- you become a slanderer. That's just that's just how it works. Well, no, Chris, I can control all this. I can violate God's principles, and I don't have to forgive, and I don't have to reconcile, and I'll still be you know okay with God. That's just not the case. You're not going to enter. You're not going to live on His holy hill. You're not going to live in His presence because you have to speak truth in the heart. You can't conceal hatred. You can't be mean-spirited and be acceptable. Number four. Hello, my name is Slander. I am an accuser on Satan's team. I am an accuser. The bottom line is, when you attack others and accuse others, you're on Satan's team. You're not on God's team. And we just came out of the book of Job, and boy, did we see that. And here's the irony. Here's the deceitfulness of it. Job's three friends did not understand that they were on Satan's team. Whose team did they think they were on? They thought they were on God's team. And they thought what they were saying was advancing whose purposes, God's purposes, when in fact they were literally advancing whose? Satan's. Satan's exactly doing what Satan. And that scares the bejeebies out of me. Why? Because that tells me I can be thinking I'm speaking truth that God approves when in fact I'm speaking what? Lies of the devil, you know? And and it's it's just bad news. In fact, uh, look at 1 Timothy 3.11. It says this. This is a great definition of of slander. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips. That defines what slander is. It's gossip that's malicious. And the Greek word for that that word, malicious gossip, is the word that we get diabolical from. It's diabolical. It's demonic. It's satanic. You're playing into the hands of the enemy. Yeah, but they're my enemy. No, they're not your enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. Listen, you're consuming the body. Quit eating yourself. Because all you're doing is the devil's work. When we destroy with words those who God is redeeming, those whom God is redeeming, we line up with the devil. And everyone, everyone in this room today is either an accuser like the devil or you're an advocate like Jesus Christ. You're either defending the people of God or you're attacking. There's no middle ground. And we're either on Satan's team or God's team. The tongue of the slanderer. Here's what I want you to realize. It's like a serial killer. Really, slanderers are spiritual Jeffrey Dahmers. They are killing multiple people and consuming them. And here's why I say that. Because when we slander, we're killing ourselves, the one we speak, the one who is speaking. We're killing the one who's listening to us, and we're killing the one we're talking about. That's serial killing. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? When I talk it, I'm killing myself. Whoever's listening to me, I'm killing them. And whoever we're talking about, I'm killing them. So, for the sake of the body... Of Christ, and for Christ's sake, recognize conversation cannibals when you meet them, even if you meet them in the mirror. I'm telling you, the first way to do, to conquer these sins is to not be deceived about whether you're practicing them or whether you're listening to them. But here's the second. The reality is, as bad as these sins are, and do you agree they're bad? Are we all on the same path on that? But we're drawn to them. We're drawn to listen to them, and we're drawn to do it. Now, I know none of you are. I'm just talking for myself. I understand that. I know it's it's your neighbor. It's the other. Look at the other person at the table. You're drawn to them. You're drawn to them. I know. You know. I know I'm not, but you're drawn to them. No, we're drawn to them. Uh, 60 Minutes did a story on the National Enquirer. You still remember? Anybody still remember the National Enquirer? I know none of us read it, but I mean, do you remember, remember it? 60 Minutes did a story on it, and they asked people at the grocery store as they were buying it, do you believe what's in that? Do you believe what's in that? And and they all said, no, but we like reading it anyway. No, we don't believe that Martians, you know, that Tom Cruise gave birth to a Martian or so. I don't know what it was, you know. Uh, but... No, but I read it anyway, and that's the way we are with these sins. There's a fatal attraction to these deadly sins. We, we know we shouldn't do them. We know they're wrong. We know they're deadly, and yet we're attracted to them. And so here's number two. Resist. You must and I must resist the fatal attraction of conversation cannibals. Um, why are they so popular if they're so deadly? Because they feed on our sinful desire to please and promote self. So let me give you, let me give you uh, six reasons why we're drawn to what's so, what is so deadly. Number one, just and here's the root of it, fleshly curiosity. Fleshly curiosity. I've tried to hammer this point home. These are rooted in a depraved heart. We have a sin nature that feeds on this stuff that's drawn to this stuff. I don't like the National Enquirer, but I buy it every week and I read it. Why? Because I'm drawn to it. Fleshly curiosity. I love this. Will Rogers, American humorist. The only time people dislike gossip is when you gossip about them. Okay, that's what we got to recognize. All right? Now, turn your Bible. Once you turn your Bible to 1 Timothy 5.13. 1 Timothy 5.13 is a great verse on this. This fleshly curiosity. Fleshly curiosity. 1 Timothy 5.13. And we're going to be in this for, for uh, this point in the next one. So open your Bibles there. And notice what 1 Timothy 5.13 says. He's talking about younger widows whose husband has suddenly died. Now they have time on their hands. Notice what he says. 1 Timothy 5.13. And at the same time, they also learn to be idle. As they go around from house to house, because they don't have uh, their, hu- you know, they don't have a husband, they don't have a home to keep up, they're, they got time on their hands, and they are not merely idle, but also gossips and busybodies, talking about things not proper. They are gossips and busybodies. So here's what I want you to see in this pattern: the first word we see there are busybodies. These are great word pictures, aren't they? They're they're painful if, if, if we see ourselves, but they're great word pictures. Now, notice, here's what a busybody is. You really study out this word. It basically has this idea, people whose curiosity has gone wild. So, busybodies are gossips gone wild. That's what you want to think. They're just people that they are just driven to, really? What? What? Really? Oh, Really, you got, you know, know, just, just, hey, did you hear? I mean, they're just, their, their curiosity has gone wild and therefore they become gossips or tattlers. They're just, they can't wait to get into your business and then they can't wait to share your business and go tattle, you know, a tattler is someone that just wants to run and just tell everybody, you know what, you know, Johnny did this, you know, Susie did this and it, there's the idea. It literally means, it's people who continually share what their unchecked curiosity discovered. So they're, they're busy being curious and finding out other people's business, and then they're just just as quick to run around and tell that to other people. Um, Alexis de, uh, de Tocqueville, a uh, French uh, uh, social scientist, one of the early ones, in the 1800s, did one of the first studies of American social life. He had tremendous insight into American in American culture. And here's what he said. He said, if an American was condemned to confine his activity to his own affairs, he would be robbed of one half of his existence. Okay, that's that's the busybody right there. It, that is the busybody. But that fleshly curiosity is, is, is fostered by, number two, idle curiosity. Idle curiosity curiosity the reason they can be so busy is because they are so lazy you see the idea be busy with your work and you won't have time to get into other people's work make sense so look at the second half the first half of that verse look again at first timothy 5 13 at the same time They also learn to be idle as they go around from house to house. Well, what are you going to do as you go around from house to house? You're going to talk. You're going to listen. And not merely idle, but also gossips and busybodies. Um, This idea of being busybodies is also mentioned by Paul in 2 Thessalonians 3.11, where he says, For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life undisciplined life doing no work at all but acting like busybodies so here's this idea of idle curiosity so you have busybodies who are lazy not doing what they should be doing getting in other people's business and then that laziness becomes spreads from house to house that just gives them time to to go from house to house so you got time wasters. And this is why we're drawn. I'm just saying why why are we drawn to this? Why are we drawn into it? People who are busy with their own responsibilities have little time to be busy about the responsibilities or, uh, of others. Um, so house to house. Now back in those days, that's literally what that was. How's that happen today? How's that happened today? Well, first of all, it tel- used to be the telephone. All right? Used to be the telephone. People, you know, who were not working, lazy, just eating up time on the telephone. How's that happened today? Social media, exactly. You, you used to be it used to be internet. Remember internet chat rooms? Okay? Who you talking to? You didn't even know who you're talking to. What what are you talking about? Then urban legends uh that kind of has waned but boy there was a time when you know and and anytime anything came across like that check it out and nine times out of ten it's not true what i found interesting was when you then told the person that sent it to you that it wasn't true they got mad at you now that tells you something instead of saying oh hey thanks the last thing i'd want to do would be to you know spread some false fear because they're all they're pretty much urban legends are fear based usually they're either character assassination or they're fear based you know there was one about walmart they're snatching kids out of Walmarts. and it happened at this walmart so i got that sent to me so i called the walmart it was in another state i called the manager i said hey i got this email did this happen in your store oh no we're trying to squelch that thing oh okay thanks great Wrote the person, hey, I know you're concerned about my kid getting snatched. I just want to let you know this, this isn't true. Man, I, 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 I got slandered. I got attacked. I mean, I was, they were mad. I'm like, why are you mad? It's not true. Not true. You got me scared. I didn't go to Walmart for a week. What what What's the problem? It's just you got to check it out. Check it out. Um, Facebook status updates, tweets. Now, now you can wear your slander on your wrist, right? Did you get, you get that yet? You get your eye watch yet? I mean, that's how we go. We can go house to house with never leaving our house. Are you with me? So, idle curiosity. We don't want to camp there too long. It's too convicting. Number three, craving attention. Why are we drawn to these sins? We crave attention. Did you hear? Well, I really shouldn't say this, but if you can keep a secret. Listen, it strokes our ego to have others listen to us when we got. That's why we do this we have insider information and people will pay attention to us number four we elevate self over others we're drawn to these sins because basically by putting someone else down by pointing their faults we have a perverse way of feeling better about ourselves right we're just talking about our hearts it's ugly i know it's ugly but if you don't expose it to the truth of god's word we won't ever forsake them amen we got to break through the deception Number, uh, to speak ill of others is a dishonest way of praising ourselves. Historian Will Durant said that. Uh, Number five, a vengeful or bitter spirit. A vengeful or bitter spirit. We're drawn to these sins because of an unforgiving spirit. Unresolved bitterness leads to negative speech that can be transferred to other people. Mark it down. Negative people are usually bitter people. Negative people are angry and often bitter people, and therefore they see the negative. Number six, it eases anxiety. Do you realize that gossip and slander can ease anxiety? Why is that? Because when when you're anxious and worried and fearful and you hear good news, it makes you mad. You know, it's like, well, wait a minute. Good news about others can heighten our own anxiety, right? I, I knew I was bad. Now people are much better than me. I'm really bad. But when you hear bad news, it can help you feel better about your bad news. Misery loves company. You're looking at me like I'm a like you cannot relate to it. No, this is this, right? Yeah, it's just it's just good. I mean, some of us need to turn off the TV, turn off the computer quit hearing all this negativity because it's just it's just it's it's really perverse it's weird we're just sick people right we're sin sick people it just makes me feel better to feel bad and to hear more bad things and i i have friends i interact with friends and we, we talk to each other hey you know what we just need to be more positive you know what you've been reading the drudge report a little too much stop that all right for the sake of christ and his body recognize and then resist But listen, if we're going to stop being conversation cannibals, then number three, we've got to reject the myths, reject the myths, myths that feed conversation cannibalism. Basically, what I'm going to give you is these six myths are often six excuses we use to continue in the sin. So you see what I'm saying? Okay, reject the desire, reject the fatal attraction, but... If you made it through those two, you'll say, well, yeah, but it's not really that bad. Well, here's six excuses that I want to eliminate that allow gossip and slander to go unchecked in our lives. Myth number one is for us guys. These are women's sins. I don't do this. These are women's sins. What do you you ladies have anything to say about that? (laughs) Is that true? Yeah. No. No, it's not true. Why, Why isn't it true? it's error why is that why is that oh there you go it's rooted it's not rooted in gender it's rooted in what a depraved heart which we all have so these are women's sins now uh there but jackie as good as your defense has been that's nice we got to go to the bible right <laughs> hallelujah <laughs> Hallelujah, we've got to go to the Bible, too, you know. Okay, now, here's the reality. There are two t- key passages, and we've already looked at one, that do associate these sins with women in the Bible. So is the Bible sexist, as some would accuse, or is there something underneath that? Let's take a look at it. First of all, 1 Timothy 3.11. 1 Timothy 3.11, a passage having to do with the character qualities of a deacon and, I believe, their wives or deaconesses, it doesn't matter, but women in ministry. And it says this, 1 Timothy 3.11, Women must, li- like, must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips. There's that word for slander that's so great uh, of a definition. Not slanderers, but temperate, faithful in all things. Now, in the description of the qualities for an elder or pastor and for a deacon, for the men, that's not listed. It's listed for the women. Jackie, what are we going to do with that? <laughs> we got to face it. We got to face it. We got to figure out what are we going to do with that. And then 1 Timothy five thirteen, I just read. We just studied it uh, for younger widows, women, younger widows with time on their hands. It says at the same time they learn to be idle as they go around house to house, not merely idle, but also gossips and busybodies. So, what's going on here? A couple things we need to do. Are you with me? Tracking with me? Okay, here's a couple things. First of all, women's God-given nature. There is a gender aspect to this in the sense that women, overall, in the way that God created them, are more verbal, they're more relational, and they're inclined to talk about people people issues more than men. You know, how was your... Just just ask a woman, how was your day? And you're going to hear, as a man, more than you want to hear. Okay? You ask a guy... How was your day? You're, you're going to hear, as a woman, less than you want to hear. It was good, great. Or to ask a teenage daughter, yeah, same thing works. Yeah. So anyway, so it's not always gender. It's season of life. Uh, but you know, women are more verbal. They're more relational. More and talked about people issues such as feelings and heartbreak and more. So there is an aspect that. Uh, that uh, the the uh, gender differences that God created can be prone. And that's just, we know that. Men are prone to different sins than women. We're all sinners, and we can all commit any sin. It's often the pathway to that sin that's different. Are we being fair? Are you okay? okay? But let's look underneath these verses. In 1 Timothy 3.11... We're talking about deaconesses or the wives of deacons who go about house to house serving people. The point is, in your ministry as a deaconess, you're going to be more open to hearing other people's business in the course of doing God's work. And therefore, you will be more tempted to then share what you're hearing with others. Do you see the idea? And then in 1 Timothy 5.13, you're talking about uh, uh, younger widows who have more time on their hands. That's the, the issue is not so much the gender of the person, it's the circumstances. So it's not so much their character is less than men, it's that their circumstances as younger widows with time on their hands or as deaconesses who are going house to house serving people they're more prone to that. Does, does that make sense? So it's good to understand why the Bible does what it does. see you can read those verses and say, hey the Bible's sexist you know and, and you or you can come to it with your own chauvinism or your own fear of uh, your own feministic attitude and say, see this is why I don't like the Bible but if you understand what's underneath it, it's not talking about the, the character of the woman it's talking about the circumstances that the woman is exposed to in that culture, would lend itself more to that. I think that's very important to understand. But men are just as guilty of these. As you look in the book of Proverbs, it was men that were tearing David apart. It wasn't women. There weren't hordes of women slandering David. There were hordes of men. Okay. So the difference is us men call our gossip shooting the breeze. We call it shop talk. We, cause it, we call it locker room talk. We call it problem solving. But the reality is we're just as guilty of it. Okay? So that's the first myth. Myth number two is this. If the info is true, then it's okay to share it. This is a huge myth. If, the, if it's true, then I'm okay. Get off my back. And sadly, that's not the case. Winston Churchill said this. I had to think through this one a little bit, but it's, it's true. Winston knows what he's talking about. There are a terrible lot of lies going about the world, and the worst of it is that half of them are true. Okay, you just got to think through that. In other words, you can do damage by telling the truth. You can do damage. You can do a lot of damage. Someone said, gossip needn't be false to be evil. There's a lot of truth that shouldn't be passed around. An expert gossiper knows how much to leave out of a conversation the issue is not if it's true. The issue is how much of the truth is being shared. Because here's the bottom line. No one. And if you heard this in a Christian song, you'd say, amen, I like that. No one is the sum of their sins and their weaknesses and faults. No, None of us here are. That is not who you are. You are not the sum of those things. There's always positive. Amen. But the slander and the gossip, they don't. They just want to focus on the negative. Uh, the issue is not whether the information is true or false. The issue is, is it beneficial? Is it beneficial? Is it confidential? Romans 14, 19 says this, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace in the things by which we may edify one another. Ephesians 4, 29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. No corrupt communication but what is good for the necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers that's the boy that'll cut everything you'll say i'll have nothing to talk about that's okay that's okay just ask yourself am i imparting grace the is is after i say this to someone will they and me feel a greater power and desire to do god's will or to go go gang up and beat up somebody okay there's the idea myth number three we may we need to pray intelligently and seek counsel. The reason I'm telling everybody about this is I'm getting all their counsel on this bad person or this bad situation. Well, we don't need to pray about someone with someone instead we need to go to that person or go to the people that God has placed in charge. Make sense so these are just myths we're we're just a you know we it's just go to God's word for counsel. See, so often we don't go to the right people because we want to go to someone that will take up our offense. Have you sought counsel on this? Oh, yes, I know I you're going to ask me that, so I definitely sought counsel on this. Really, who'd you go to? Oh, well, well, people that thought like I did. No, that's not seeking counsel. Seeking counsel is going to those authority, and actually, it's going to people that you pretty much know are going to tell you the opposite thing so that you can really hear another perspective. Or more importantly, there's some people we avoid because we just know, well, they're going to open the Bible. And I already could do that, and I'm choosing not to, so I don't want to go to you and have you tell me more of the Bible. Okay? Myth number four. I want to grow closer and deepen relationships with others. You know, I... Here's the bottom line: Some relationships would never exist if there weren't a common enemy to talk about. Okay, that's probably enough on that one. Myth number five: The people I tell won't tell others. Now that's you know that you know that you're you're crazy if you believe that one. Okay, one is one too many. You know if it, it, it one is one too many. You know that's like saying I'm going to commit adultery with this person because I know they won't cheat on me. Okay, think through that. Okay, um, what is told in the ear of a man is often heard a hundred miles away. Chinese are smart. The easiest way to keep a secret is without help. Pretty good. They three may keep a secret if two of them are dead. Benjamin Franklin knows what he's talking about. No, myth number six: I just couldn't do anything about it. I had to listen. Myth number six: We talked about this last week. I can't do anything about it. Well stop being a garbage dump no more landfill landfill is full but also you can recognize like we've seen you can resist you can reject and here's number 4 there is something you can do about it redirect conversation cannibals to god's detox redirect them so let me give you four basic par- this is man this is good stuff you need to be teaching your kids this. You need to be te- we need to be teaching one another this. Are you with me? This the, as Jackie pointed out, none of what I'm about to say comes natural. God has to teach us. Amen. Our hearts are going the other way. We're fatally attracted. We're making excuses. We're believing myths. We've got to learn to do this. Number 1, defend the person being attacked defend the person being attacked or questioned. And this is true even if what they're saying is true. Are you with me? You know, just because it's true doesn't mean you contribute to it. There's other ways to deal with it. Uh I've got all sorts of verses here Proverbs 10:12 hatred stirs up tri- tri- strife, but love covers all sins. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends romans 13 10 love does no harm to a neighbor therefore love is the full this is all about love you cannot be loving and be a gossip and a slander you just cannot love doesn't do it so here's what you do disagree politely and turn the conversation or if you even agree turn the conversation so here's some here's an example i think i have it written out I don't know about that, but I've always found her rather considerate. I've found focusing on the positive about others to be a better path to go down. Real simple. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't have, you, know, you don't have to give a judgment on their judgment. You don't have to agree. You don't have to disagree. I don't know about that. All I know is overall I've found this person to be this way, and I've always found positivity to be the best path. Now, if you're dealing with a gossip and a slander. If you're dealing with a conversation cannibal, they will choke on those words. They will choke on those words. Because it's like, oh, no meal here for me. You know, that's what's going to happen. Number two, if you sense the situation is more serious, then number two, direct the person talking, attacking, to talk face-to-face with the person. Direct them to take the journey, to go to that person. Matthew 18. Tells us how to do that. Proverbs twenty-five. Here's the point. Sometimes we just get negative, and we just need to be re- we we need to be uh, uh, deflected to the right way. But sometimes what we're talking about is a really serious issue. Fine. Point towards a resolution. Point towards a reconciliation. Here's an example. Have you talked with him about that? I'm sure he wouldn't want you to feel that way. See, that's a positive way. Of saying, oh. You know, you got a problem with him? Great. Have you talked to him about that? I'm sure he wouldn't want to feel you this way, uh, feel this way. And then number two on this, assume the positive and place the responsibility on the one doing the talking. In other words, we tend in gossiping and slander to give the ball of responsibility to others. Hey, they did this to me. Here, take my, take up my offense, take my ball and run with it. And what you need to do is say, I don't want that ball. That's not my ball to carry. I'll give that back to you. This is your ball of responsibility with this person. So here, let me point you in that Here's an example. I'm sure she wants to hear this directly from you. Sounds like you need to talk to her one more time because often people say, well, I've already talked to him." Well, why don't you just talk to him? Obviously, it hasn't been worked out. Why don't you talk one more time? Be, sh- be sure to approach her with a willingness to be tenderhearted and forgiving in love like God has done for us in Christ. Now, that's right there. They'll shut you down. I thought we were going to hash on this, people. I thought we were going to cut this. I thought we were going to have a meal. I thought we were going to do some cannibalism here. You don't want to eat. You're telling me to deal with it. And and, and you're saying forgiving? I don't want anything to do with that. Here's a couple insights on this, and I've always practiced this. Never send someone to talk to someone without reviewing the right spirit to do it. The last thing you can do, don't send a bitter person to go talk to the person they're bitter about. Because you just say, hey, here, here's a nuke. Go nuke them. You know, don't. You know, no, you got to say, look, you need to go talk to them. But let's talk about your responsibility to go with the right spirit. Make sense? And what you start doing is you start revealing whether their heart is the right heart. Because if they don't have the right heart, you need to say, you know what? Rather than talking about them, maybe we should be talking about your heart. Maybe we need to be talking about your heart. Because I'm not sensing the right heart. Yeah, but you don't know. Yeah, it doesn't matter what they've done. I'm not sensing the right heart. And there's a bigger issue we need to talk about. Never assume that just because the person says they've approached the person several times that they actually have. Please do not don't. When people say I've already done that, I make the basic assumption they think they have, but they haven't. And ninety percent of the time, you're right. We do think. I talk to people in the shower all the time. Am I? yeah, I confront people all the time in the shower. And if you do that enough, you start thinking you've really done it. okay? And then pretty soon you're like, man, I've talked to them five times. It's been in the shower. They never heard me, but I've dealt with that. It's their problem. So listen, when they when they when when they say they've gone, uh, actually assume they haven't. And even if they have, listen to me now, this is from twenty five plus years of working with people, when they think they have, they're never as clear with the person face to face as they are behind their back. Well, I talked to them about it. Yeah, but you did it in such a, a non-direct way. They had no clue and probably thought you were talking about someone else. So what you see is them not listening to you. Is not that they didn't listen to you. You didn't communicate clear enough. So, I, you know, what I'm saying is when they're coming to you, you have no clue what they've done. And just assume that they need to do it one more time. Does that make sense? And never accept. So if you make it this far with the person, here's the next layer of it. Never accept excuses such as they won't listen. They won't admit it. They won't change. They won't agree with me. I'm afraid of them. It won't work. You know how you'd cut through all that? Say, well, great. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. And you say in a positive and you say, you know what? I understand that may be your feelings, that may be your opinion, that may even be your experience. But you know what? It's not my experience. And I just think if we go with the right spirit, and by the way, I'm not going to be on your side. I'm just going to be a witness. I'm just going to be a mediator. And let's just go find out. And if what you're saying is true, it'll come out. And if if it doesn't, then we have a problem that we can resolve. So Uh, Offer to go with them as a mediator. Okay, so that's number two. Number three, determine not to let the conversation continue on a negative course. Uh, The bottom line is, if they don't listen to you, just determine not to let the conversation go on a negative course. Respond with a positive comment. I'm sorry you feel that way about her. What I really like about her is, and then share what's positive. Two, show concern for the person being blasted. She must be struggling with something right now. Let's stop and, and let's pray for her. Gently guide them away from complaining to helping. How nice that you're concerned. Now, that may, you may need to modify that one. That sounds a little pious. but uh, How nice that you're concerned about them. Perhaps we need uh, they have a need we can meet. How do you think we can help him or her? And then number four, decide to think before you speak or listen. Decide to think not only before you speak, but before you listen. And here, here, this is this basic, it's so good. T, is it true? Is it true? H, is it helpful or hurtful? Is it helpful or hurtful? I, is it inspiring? Does it edify? Does it encourage? Does it lift up? N, is it necessary? Oh, you'd have to say that. You know, that cuts out 90%. Is it necessary? Is what I'm saying necessary? And K, is it necessary? kind is it kind listen think before you listen before you speak now on the daily detox here's a, just take this this week i challenge you take this this week and what i have found and this can be discouraging what i found is the more you think about this stuff the more you see yourself committing it that can be discouraging but the good news is God gives grace to the humble. And we are supposed to be getting more holy, and to get more holy, you got to see more unholiness before you can get better. You got to get the bad news before you get are, are you with me? So let's take this this week and and and, and let's just let's just work to and you, and you got to work together. You got to work together. You see it in me, you talk to me, I see it in you, I'll talk to you about it. But let's not talk about others. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Uh, These things are, it's, it's, it's ugly. You kind of feel like you need to take a shower, but not to talk about people, I guess. But Lord, cleanse us and reveal the deceit, reveal the excuses, and replace it with the strength to do what's right with our tongue. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.